Chapter One of the Little Colonel in Arizona. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Little Colonel in Arizona by Annie Fellows Johnston. Chapter One. Mary tells all she knows. Joyce, said Jack Ware, stopping beside his sister's seat in the long western-bound train, I wish you'd go back into the observation car and make Mary stop talking. She's telling all she knows to a couple of strangers. Why don't you do it? asked Joyce, looking up from her magazine with a teasing smile. That dignified skull of yours ought to frighten anything into silence. I did try it, confessed Jack. I frowned and shook my head at her as I passed, but all the good it did was to start her to talking about me. That's my brother Jack, I heard her say, and her voice went through the car like a fine-pointed needle. Isn't he big for fourteen? He's been wearing long trousers for nearly a year. They both turned to look at me, and everybody smiled, and I was so embarrassed that I fell all over myself getting out of sight and it was a girl she said it to he continued wrathfully a real pretty girl about my age the fellow with her is her brother i reckon they look enough alike he's a cadet from some military school you can tell by his uniform they laugh at everything that mary says and that makes her go on all the worse so if you don't want them to know all our family history past present and to come You'd better go back and shut up that chatterbox. You know what Mary's like when she gets started. Yes, I know, sighed Joyce, but I don't dare move now. Norman has just fallen asleep, and he's been so restless all day that I don't want him to waken until Mamma has had her nap. She glanced down at the little six-year-old brother, stretched out on the seat beside her, with his head in her lap and then across the aisle at her mother, lying with her white face hidden among the shawls and pillows. If I send for Mary to come back here, she'll flop around until she wakes them both. Can't you get her out onto the rear platform for a while? I should think she would enjoy riding out there on one of those little camp stools. Slip one of those oranges into your pocket, and whisper to her to follow you out and guess what you have for her well i'll try said jack dubiously but i'm almost sure she won't budge it isn't every day she gets an audience like that it flatters hers to have them laugh at everything she says and as sure as i stop and speak to her she'll say something that i don't want to hear oh never mind then said joyce they are strangers and probably will never see them again so it won't make any difference. Sit down here and forget about them. You can have this magazine in a minute, just as soon as I finish reading this half-page. But Jack did mind. He could not forget the amused glances that the pretty girl had exchanged with her big brother, and after standing irresolutely in the ale a moment, he strolled back to the observation car. Slipping into a wicker chair near the door, he sat waiting for Mary to look in his direction, so that he could beckon her to come to him. 
half the passengers had gone to sleep and forgotten that they were being whirled across the great american desert as fast as the limited express train could carry them some were reading and some gazing out of the windows at the monotonous wastes of sand the only ones who really seemed to be enjoying the journey were his small sister and her audience of two she sat on a footstool in the ale just in front of them a box of candy in her lap and a look of supreme satisfaction on her face two little braids of blonde hair tied with big bows of blue ribbon bobbed over her shoulders as she talked jack was too far away to hear what she said but his scowl deepened whenever the girl exchanged amused glances with her brother this candy is almost as good as the fudge we used to make at home every saturday afternoon said mary putting a chocolate-covered marshmallow in her mouth and gravely running her tongue around her lips but we'll never again make any more fudge in that house why not dear asked the girl with encouraging interest the child was the most diverting thing she had found on the long journey oh everything has come to an end now joyce says you can never go back when you've burnt your bridges behind you it was certainly burning our bridges when we sold the little brown house for of course we could never go back with strangers living in it it was almost like a funeral when we started to the train and looked back for the last time i cried because there was the christmas tree standing on the porch with the strings of popcorn and cranberries on it we put it out for the birds you know when we were done with it when i saw how lonesome it looked standing out in the snow and remembered that it was the last christmas tree we'd ever have there and that we didn't have a home any more why i guess anybody would have cried why did you sell the little home if you loved it so asked the girl it was not from any desire to pry into strangers affairs that she asked but merely to keep the child talking oh mamma was so ill she had pneumonia and there are so many blizzards in kansas you know that the doctor said she'd never get rid of her cough if she stayed in plainsville and that maybe if we didn't go to a warm place she wouldn't live till spring so mr link bought the house the very next day so that we could have enough money to go he's a lawyer it used to be link and ware on the office door before papa died he's always been good to us because he was papa's partner and he gave jack a perfectly grand gun when he found we were coming out among the indians then the neighbors came in and helped us pack and we left in a hurry to-morrow we'll be to the place where we are going and we'll begin to live in tents on new year's day you'd never think this was the last day of the old year would you it's so warm i suppose we'll be mixed up all the time now about the calendar coming to such a different climate there was a pause while another marshmallow disappeared then she prattled on again it's to lee's ranch we are going out in arizona it's a sort of boarding camp for sick people mrs lee keeps it she's our minister's sister and he wrote to her and she's going to take us cheaper than she does most people because there's so many of us joyce and jack and holland and norman 
and mamma and me makes an even half dozen but we're going to keep house as soon as our things come and we can get a place and then i'll be glad that jack has his gun he can't shoot very well yet unless it's at something big like a stable door but you always feel safer when there's indians around if you've got something to bang at them here she lowered her voice confidentially holland scared norman and me most to death one night we were sitting on the rug in front of the fire before the lamp was lighted saying what we would do s'posen an indian should come to the camp some time and try to scalp us and just when we were so scared we didn't dare look around behind us he rolled out from under the bed where he'd been hiding and grabbed us by the hair with the awfulest whoop that made us feel as if we'd been dipped in ice water why we didn't stop yelling for half an hour norman had the nightmare that night we never did find out how joyce punished holland but what she did to him was plenty for he hasn't scared us since not yet though you never know when he's going to joyce isn't afraid of anything on earth you ought to hear about the way she played ghost once when she was in france and she just talked right up to the old monsieur who owned the gate of the giant scissors and told him what she thought of him how old is this joyce asked the tall young fellow whom his sister called phil she sounds interesting don't you think elsie he said leaning over to help himself to a handful of candy elsie nodded with a smile and mary hastened to give the desired information oh she's fifteen going on sixteen and she is interesting she can paint the loveliest pictures you ever saw she was going to be an artist until all this happened and she had to leave school nobody but me knows how bad it made her feel to do that i found her crying in the stable loft when i went up to say good-bye to the black kitten and she made me cross my heart and body i'd never tell so mamma thinks that she doesn't mind it at all things have gone wrong at our house ever since i had the mumps she began again when she had slowly crunched two burnt almonds holland sprained his wrist and mamma nearly died with pneumonia and norman upset the clothes horse on the stove and burnt up a whole week's ironing and after that jack had both ears frosted in a blizzard and bob our darling little fox terrier that joyce brought from kentucky was poisoned that was a list of misfortunes exclaimed phil sympathetically enough to discourage anybody oh at our house we never get discouraged to stay answered mary of course we feel that way at first but joyce always says remember the vicar and then we stiffen the vicar echoed phil much puzzled yes the vicar of wakefield you know don't you remember what bad luck they all had about the green spectacles and everything and he said let us be inflexible and fortune will at last change in our favour was there ever anything funnier exclaimed phil in an aside as this bit of wisdom was rolled out with such dramatic toss of the head that the big blow bows on the little blonde braids bobbed wildly the idea of a child like that reading the vicar of wakefield oh i didn't read him myself 
answered mary eager to be entirely truthful joyce read it aloud to all the family last winter and since then we've all tried to do as the vicar did be inflexible when troubles come even norman knows that if you'll swallow your sobs and stiffen when you bump your head or anything that it doesn't hurt half so bad as when you just let loose and howl jack started to his feet when he heard the laugh that followed sure that mary was saying something that ought to be left unsaid he reached her just in time to hear her remark we're going to eat in the dining car to-night our lunch has all given out and i'm glad of it for i never did eat in a dining car and i've always wanted to we're going to have ice cream if it doesn't cost too much jack's face was crimson as he bent down and whispered in mary's ear and it grew several shades redder as she calmly answered aloud no i don't want to go out on the platform it's blowing so hard i'll get my eyes full of sand he bent again to whisper this time savagely and then turned back toward the other car not waiting for her answer but it followed him shrilly in an indignant tone it's no such a thing jack ware i'm not telling all i know a few minutes later a freckle-faced boy of twelve appeared in the door looking up and down the car with keen gray eyes the moment his glance fell on mary he started down the aisle toward her with such an air of determination that she started up in dismay oh dear she exclaimed there's holland beckoning for me now i've got to go why should you go for him rather than jack asked phil he isn't nearly so big you don't know holland said mary taking a step forward he doesn't mind making a scene anywhere we happen to be if he was told to bring me he'd do it if he had to drag me down the ale by my hair good-bye i've had a mighty nice time and i'm much obliged for the candy the ware family were already seating in the dining-room when phil and elsie went in to dinner a little later mary over her soup was giving an enthusiastic account of her new acquaintances they're going to their grandfather's in california she said it's the most beautiful place you ever heard of with goldfish in the fountain and gold of ophir roses in the garden and dago their old pet monkey is there they had to send him away from home because he got into so much mischief and miss elsie tremont that's her name is all in black because her great-aunt patricia is dead her aunt patricia kept house for them but now they live at their grandfather's mr phil is only seventeen but he's six feet tall and looks so old that i thought maybe he was thirty gracious mary how did you find out so much asked joyce with a warning shake of the head at norman who was crumbling his bread into his soap oh i asked him if he was married and he laughed and said he was only seventeen just a schoolboy a cadet in a military academy out in california there they are now she added excitedly as the waiter pulled out two chairs at the little table across the aisle both the newcomers smiled at mary who beamed broadly in response then they gave a quick side glance at the rest of the family 
what a sweet-looking woman the little mother is said elsie in a low tone and joyce is interesting but i wouldn't say she's exactly pretty would you mm, i don't know answered phil after another politely careless glance in her direction she has a face you like to keep looking at it's so bright and pleasant and her eyes are lovely she'd be jolly good company i imagine a sort of surprise party always doing and saying unusual things in the same casual way joyce was taking note of them she felt strongly drawn toward the pretty girl in black and wished that they were going to the same place so that she might make her acquaintance once when they were all laughing at something norman said she looked up and caught her eye and they both smiled then phil looked across with such an understanding gleam of humour in his eyes that she almost smiled at him but checked herself and looked down in her plate remembering that the handsome cadet was a stranger the train stopped at a junction just as mary finished her ice cream which she had been eating as slowly as possible in order to prolong the pleasure finding that there would be a wait of nearly half an hour joyce persuaded her mother to go back to the rear platform of the observation car and sit out a while in the fresh air although the sun was down it was so warm that mrs ware scarcely needed the shawl joyce drew around her shoulders i can't believe that this is the last day of december she said to mary as joyce hurried into the station to make some inquiry of the ticket agent the last day of the old year she added these electric lights and the band playing over there in the park and all the passengers promenading up and down in front of the station bareheaded make it seem like a summer resort mary peered after the promenading passengers wistfully the boys had disappeared to watch the engine take water and there was no one for her to walk with just then phil and elsie tremont sauntering along caught sight of her wistful little face don't you want to come too asked elsie pausing you'll sleep better for a little exercise oh yes was the delighted reply may i mamma it's miss elsie tremont that i told you about that ran away with a monkey and a music box when she was a little bit of a girl i'm afraid that with such an introduction you'll think i'm not a proper person to trust your daughter with mrs ware said elsie laughing but i assure you i'll never run away again that experience quite cured me probably mary has given you just as alarming an impression of us answered mrs ware she has never learned to regard any one as a stranger and all the world is her friend to confide in wouldn't you like to walk a little while too asked elsie stirred by some faint memory of a delicate white face like this one that years ago used to smile out at her from a hammock in the gold of ophir rose garden she was only five years old the last time she saw her mother but the dim memory was a very sweet one yes come it will do you good urged phil cordially influenced partly by the same memory and partly by the thought that here was a chance to make the acquaintance of joyce as well according to her little sister she was an unusually interesting girl and the glimpse he had had of her himself confirmed that opinion 
so it happened to joy's great astonishment as she hurried back to the train she met her mother walking slowly along beside elsie phil with mary chattering to him like an amusing little magpie was just behind them almost before she knew how it came about she was walking with them listening first to elsie then to phil as they told of the boarding school she was going back to in california and the military academy in which he was a cadet they had been back home to spend the christmas vacation with their father whom they did not expect to see again for a long time he was a physician and now on his way to berlin where he expected to spend a year or two in scientific research at the warning call of all aboard they hurried back to the car just as the boys came scrambling up the steps acquaintances grow almost as rapidly on these long overland journeys across the continent as they do on shipboard the girls regretted the fact that they had not found each other earlier but jack and phil soon made up for lost time phil who had hunted wild goats among the rocks of catalina island and jack who expected unlimited shooting of quail and ducks at lee's ranch were not long in exchanging invitations for future hunting together if either should happen to stray into the other's vicinity i feel as if i had known you always said elsie to joyce as they separated regretfully at bedtime wondering if they ever would meet again i wish you were going to the boarding school with me i wish you were going to stop in arizona answered joyce maybe you can come out to the ranch sometime when you are on your way back east i think that we ought to all sit up together to see the old year out and the new year in protested mary indignant at being hurried off to bed at half past seven you'll see the change all right remarked jack and you'll have a chance to make a night of it we have to get off at maricopa a little after midnight and there's no telling when that train for phoenix will come along they say it's always behind time late that night elsie wakened by the stopping of the train looked at her watch the new year had just dawned a brakeman went through the car with a lantern there were strange voices outside a confusion of calls and the curtains of her berth swayed and shook as a number of people hurried down the aisle laden with baggage somebody tripped over a pair of shoes left too far out in the aisle and somebody muttered a complaint about always being wakened at maricopa by people who had no more consideration for the travelling public than to make their changes in the dead of night maricopa she thought starting up on her elbow that is where the wares are to get off raising the window-shade she peered out into the night yes there they were just going into the station jack and holland waited down with baggage joyce helping the sweet-faced little mother with one hand and dragging the drowsy norman after her with the other mary sleepily bringing up the rear with her hat tipped over one eye and her shoe-strings tripping her at every step bless her little soul she's the funniest fattest little chatterbox of a girl i ever saw 
thought Elsie, as she watched her stumble into the station. Good-bye, little vicar, she whispered, waving her hand. May you always keep inflexible. I wonder if I'll ever see any of them again. I wish I were in a big family like that. They do have such good times together. As the train pulled slowly out and went thundering on into the darkness, she tried to go to sleep again. But for a long time, whenever she closed her eyes, she saw the little house in Kansas that Mary had described so vividly. There it stood empty and deserted in the snow, with a pathetic little Christmas tree left for the birds. And far away the family who loved it so dearly for facing blithely and bravely the untried new year in which they were to make for themselves another home somewhere out on the lonely desert oh i do hope they'll keep inflexible was elsie's last waking thought i do hope they'll have a happy new year end of chapter one Read by Lars Rolander.